I went down to the local Hall of Fame store <laughs> and I picked me up a plaque. Okay, the only time I suppose it's acceptable is if you're wearing the full Canadian tuxedo and you want to complete the ensemble with some Jay's gear. You know what? I want them to turn into the skin. Get red pants, too. <laughs> just, just go out there playing in pajamas. And welcome once again to Artificial Turf Wars, where we've been missing the cutoff man since 2016. This is episode 43, and I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as usual, by Josh Housem. How's it going, Josh? Not too bad. You? Uh, we are still buried in the depths of winter, so uh, happy Groundhog Day to you. Thank you, and to you. Uh, we will try and make this podcast not like all the other podcasts we've done. We have uh, a little uh, bullpen signing to talk about. We have some other roster rumors, but no activity. We have top 100 lists, because I think that's what people do when they don't have anything to do. They list things. Um, <laughs> we have... We have a different Hall of Fame induction, which has a couple of familiar names in it. Our listeners have been very helpful by providing a bunch of questions, and we do have a do-over for the uh, the big name with the Yankees, because I think he maybe got his wires crossed somewhere. But we shall begin with a JP. Uh, we talked about JP Aaron Sibby's retirement last week, but this is this is JP Howell, an actual Blue Jay. Yeah. Who is, is now a Blue Jay, not an ex-Blue Jay, uh, for, for a mere $3 million. Which sounds like a really good deal for a guy who gets MLB innings every year, and a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, especially when you consider the market for left-handed relievers. Uh, Boone Logan, the other guy that was supposed to be you know, the, one of the top lefty relievers, signed today for one year $5.5 million with a buyout for another million with you know, a seven million dollar, so he got a lot more money. And then Jerry Levins apparently has six million dollar offer. JB Howell might be as good as those guys. He just had a very down year in 2016. Yeah, that's correct. You know, in 2016, his ERA was 409. You know, he, he didn't even get left handed hitters out very well. They hit, you know, they, they hit him to a 302, 343, 417 line, which is obviously not what you want out of your loogie. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't want to bring in a guy to not get left-handers out. That That's not so good. But his career says that, that that looks like more of the aberration. And he was still getting ground balls. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons to think that he can bounce back and be the lefty-killing guy that he has been for the last few years. I mean, in 2015, he didn't give up a single extra base hit to a lefty. Which is pretty cool. So we'll take yeah. that guy. If, yeah. If we have an I mean, option. There, there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well, it's a pretty good deal. I mean, there, there are some worrying things, though. I mean, you know, he did have a bad year, which is why they got him for so cheap. But also his, his velocity fell pretty sharply. For the first time in his career as a relief pitcher, his velocity averaged below 86 miles an hour. And it was a 1.7 mile an hour drop from 2015, although he's been up and down throughout his career. Yeah, that that sounds like a bit of a red flag from what we we've sort of inferred from velocity drops and effectiveness and injury. Hello, Drew Storen. Goodbye, Drew Storen. <laughs> but the Jays have been really good lately at picking up on a guy in a down situation and getting the most out of him. Um, you know, with especially out of the bullpen, 
the the, the Grilly and the Benoit situation, and I suppose in the the starting rotation with um, Francisco Liriano as well. Yeah, it's definitely something they seem to be targeting at the end of last season, or I guess starting in May last season. Like you said, getting these guys who, for whatever reason, were way off their career levels and just betting on the rebound, which it's not a bad idea to do that, especially if you're getting them at these bargain prices. And I think that the other thing that they've they've done is they've narrowed it down to, you know, with those other examples, I don't know how Howell's going to pan out, obviously, but, but where a guy has one thing that doesn't look right, it's just either too many walks or um you know a velocity drop or, or or whatever but but everything else seems to look the same except for one factor it's like they figure they can maybe focus in on that one thing and figure out how to fix a guy quick enough that he's effective yeah exactly and also i mean how how he did have the velocity drop and everything but he also lefties had a, a babip of him against him of 375 and that's way off his career levels and that's so that's high for anybody in any situation. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot of reason to expect him to be a lot better. And, you know, Matt Gwynn, the, you know, for BP Toronto, one of the co-editors in chief, he, he posted a tweet after this, that since 2013, JP Howell actually has a lower ERA than Brett Cecil. What? Do we call that the arbitrary endpoint game? I mean, sort of, but but that's basically Brett, when Brett Cecil started getting awesome too, right? It wasn't like it was just cherry picked to make Howell look better. True, and, and there, but there's also that acknowledgement that there have been these ups and downs with even a guy who we think of in the long run as a very reliable reliever. That, yeah, yeah, there are stretches where things do not work, and and it always shows up and looks really horrible because these are the guys you count on in tight situations. Whereas if a, a starter has a a tough time, it's certainly not necessarily even going to show up in his win loss record. Because he's got innings to kind of, you know, mix in his bad outings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just sort of the nature of relief pitchers. But one thing we should note just while we're talking about these two guys is that J.P. Howell is not Brett Cecil. I mean, you know, for his career, his numbers against righties are actually not bad. I mean, a 728 OPS is it's okay. For a reliever, it's not that great, but it's fine. But, you know, Cecil was a guy who could dominate righties and lefties, and Howell will not and should not be used that way. Yeah, so are the Jays still looking for another left-handed reliever, or is, is this their their go-to left-handed solution? My guess, and, you know, there's some general rumors out there that they are, you know, still looking and being willing to sign one, but there aren't that many left on the market. I mean, now that Boone Logan, Logan has signed and... Uh, you know, like there, there's Jerry Blevins, the offer we talked about earlier. There's really only, I think there's four left-handed relievers left on the market. And one of them is Chris Capuano, who nobody wants. <laughs> but he's on the market. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a game of old maid sometimes in the free agent game, I feel. It's like, well, how do we end up with that? We had to sign that guy because we, we needed a guy and he was literally the last guy left. Um, it seems like the free agent market has been slower to develop this year. And that was something that Dan Zimborski was talking about in, on Twitter as well, was there are like over 70 free agents still sitting out there when normally there'd be a third that many by this date. Oh, not even that. I mean, he, he was saying that by this date last year, there was like 16 or something like that. Yeah. So what the heck's going on? 
I think it's a couple things. I, I think that part of it is that teams are just wanting to get younger. They only look at guys like, you know, we saw Jeff Manship ship, just ship off to Korea, the really hand relief pitcher. And we're seeing Chris Carter having trouble getting a job. We, there's a question about him we'll get to later. But, I mean, these guys, people are like, well, we can probably replace that with someone just from our minor league system and get, like, good, similar production. I mean, Carter's a bit of an outlier, but there are a bunch of guys like that, like Dustin Ackley or Daniel Descalso. I mean, it's like, why would we pay $2 million, $3 million for this guy when we can pay this minor league guy 500000 and get similar production? And and I guess in some cases with the minor leaguer, you you actually have a shot at getting a lot more production, whereas with a exactly. guy who's in his mid thirties, that you know what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean that that's pretty much it. <laughs> or and actually, you might not even know what you're going to get because you know once they're in their mid thirties, their production could fall off a cliff. Yeah, we we've never seen that around in Toronto, have we? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, uh, a lot of bad memories there. So what are the other specific roster rumors that the Jays are tied to if, if we don't have a, a lefty name out there? Well, I mean, there, there's a hope from fans that they're going to get another outfielder, but that doesn't really seem to be the case just based on everything that Ross Atkins is saying. But according to Ben Nicholson-Smith and the way Atkins was talking on the radio, it does sound like they're still trying to get another reliever, and there's still a ton of good righty relievers on the market. I mean, Aaron Barrett, Joe Blanton, Luke Hochaver... Kevin Jepsen, Sergio Romo. I mean, these are all guys who have had success as relievers in the big leagues. Yusmero Petit. So, you know, like there are guys and one of them is going to be like, oh, crap, just give me a contract. Mm hmm. As, as that game of old maid or musical chairs works the other way, too. Right. So someone is going to panic. A little bit about his potential or his worth or about his options, where to play and and somebody's going to get a deal, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, and it's not it's not a bad game that the Jays are playing there. You know, it's like, okay, well, it's, we'll see who's willing to sign the cheapest. That's basically what they did with Howell. It's like, okay, Logan, you want $6 million. Blevins, you want $6 million. Mike Dunn, you somehow got a $3 or $19 million deal from the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Rockies. Have the Rockies officially re replaced the D-backs as the most insane nonsense <laughs> organization in baseball? I think so. Everything they've done this offseason has been bizarre. But uh, yeah, and then like, oh, JB Howell, three million, great. Yeah, welcome aboard. Jeez, that is not the Rockies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I expect that's what they're going to do with the right-handed relief market, and also with these, you know, the starting pitchers for, you know, for depth. Like maybe get throw Henderson Alvarez a minor league contract, or you know, Matt Latos or something like that. Guy that's like, oh, they could provide value, but they don't have to be in the opening day roster. Mm -hmm. We shall see. Mm -hmm. Time is running low. We we are twenty three days till pitchers and catchers. Oh no, no pitchers or catchers report on the fourteenth. Whoa, twelve days. Twelve days till pitchers and catchers. Sorry, it was twenty three days till the first spring training game. I think is what I read. I yes, that that's correct. Muddled up, but yeah. So, I mean, yeah. If if, if you are not in a great financial situation as a, as a former MLB or current MLB free agent, and you're you're two weeks out or less from wanting to show up somewhere. Yeah. Could be interesting. Yeah. Shall, shall so, we shift to the, from the old guys trying to find a job to the new up and comers? 
Sure, why not? So, as I said, people like to count things down. So this week, uh, there is the MLB Top 100 Prospect List and the Keith Law MLB haha, Top 100, his, his Top 100 Evaluation. And, of course, all you care about if you're listening to this podcast is what Blue Jays showed up and where did they show up? <laughs> Pretty much. Nobody wants to hear that the number one guy is like a cub, do they, at this point? Uh... No, and especially they don't want to hear that the number one guy on pretty much every list is a Red Sox. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who we got? Well, there were three guys that appeared on both lists and also on BA's list, and oh, actually, well, those top 100 lists haven't come out yet. But uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Anthony Alford, and Sean Reed Foley. Cool. So, so I mean... The MLB had Reed Foley and Alford in the 64 to 70 range. Guerrero was 34. Keith Law had Guerrero at 48. And then Alford, 55. Reed Foley, 72. So good, but not elite guys. Right. Nobody's tearing the the cover off the ball. But some nice things were said about Vlad's potential to be the guy. Uh, Was it Jim Callis? Yes, uh, someone tweeted at him, who is your way too early number one prospect for 2018? <laughs> and his answer was Vlad Guerrero Jr. Which Basically, is nice, expects... but it's also a ridiculous question, really. Oh, absolutely, it's a ridiculous question. But he's basically saying, based on what he thinks he's going to do, he expects him to be the number one prospect next year. And when asked for a further question about it, it was like, what are the odds of him being a top 10? The answer was, if he goes to a full-season ball and even hits just as well as he did this year, he's an absolute lock top 10 prospect. So, yay! Now it becomes not only being equally good when you get moved up a level, but also being healthy. Yeah, I mean, that's always a big thing for any prospect. And yep. I mean, especially, we were just talking about Anthony Alford. I mean, he was a wreck last year. I mean, he got a concussion, got a knee injury. He just couldn't stay on the field. And he still hung around in the top 100, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, he still got all the tools and still... And I I think part of what helped him with these lists, I mean, obviously these lists don't really mean a whole lot, um, was that when he came back from his last injury towards the end, and from there to the end of the season, he hit again because he didn't have a very good overall season. And so what is the deal with Reed Foley? Well, basically the consensus on Sean Reed Foley is that he's a guy that took a big leap last year. You know, he, he was a big strikeout guy in his previous year, but he just was walking a ton of people. Whereas last year he sort of, he completely cut down on his walk. He dominated Lansing and then he dominated Dunedin and, you know, people expect him to start the season in double a and, and both MLB and BP and BA and, and Keith Law, all of them say like this, there could be a number two starter here. Baseball is so tough to tell these things. Yeah, but they look at this guy so he yep. can get, you know, to the mid-90s, has a good to a big-time breaking ball. I mean, those are things that you want to see, right? It's not like he's a guy who's got the big fastball but nothing else, like Connor Green, for example. Mm-hmm. What do you th- feel about having three guys on all these lists? I, I mean, obviously, the, the same three guys says that the I would assume that the system is actually kind of thin. The fact that there's so much consensus on just three guys. 
Well, I think you could actually make a case that there's consensus on five. Um, so Keith Law had Bo Bichette four and Richard Urania five. And MLB's list, it didn't go that deep um, I mean, among Blue Jays. But MLB's list had Richard Urania at 94th out of their top 100. And in Keith Law's comments, he said that Urania would be in his next and Bichette would be in his next 50. So those are guys that both of them like. So you're still looking at... I can never figure this out. Is is five future MLB players, and I know that's not necessarily regular, is that good for a system? No, it's not. But, I mean, but we're not talking about future MLB players. If a guy is someone... Someone's considering a guy a top 150 prospect in the game, that's a guy they expect to be a good regular or an elite reliever. I mean, that's... If you look at the J system, and this is kind of on our baseball perspectives top 10 where they were going they're going down it's like well potential number three starter all the way down to like number 12 13 there's a bunch of guys that should be big leaguers just there's not a lot of star level talent mm. so we are, we are at the big league regular level except for vlad who everybody wants to be his do people want him to be his dad do you think or do they want him to be better than his father <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I think that people I, I shouldn't say just... better I, no do they want him to be conventionally better than his father meaning what exactly meaning Vlad was known as a a guy with a huge arm and a, an incredible bad ball hitter so he had a kind of a yes he had incredible tools and talent but he also used them in the kind of this weird way do, do they do you think people want Vlad to just be or Vlad Jr. to be traditionally good like good command of the strike zone uh walks a lot hits for good power and and is athletic or or do you think they want reincarnated wow he's just like his dad he does all all kinds of crazy stuff well i think they would obviously prefer that he doesn't swing outside the zone as often as his dad did <laughs> but i mean i'm sure they would take the the contact outside the zone and you read that in the report so he's already a really good bad ball hitter as well but that he has a bit of an approach that he doesn't swing at them. <laughs> Not as a, a matter of course, anyway. Yeah, he'll never have his dad's arm. Like, for, by every scouting report, he's got a good arm at third base, but not, you know, the 108 mile an hour from the outfield cannon that his dad had. And is there a mention of him sticking at third base at this point? You know what? It actually seems like there's some chance of that. I mean, going into the season, people thought the Jays were tra- crazy to even try it. But apparently he made really big strides during the year, and there's a shot that he could stick. Which would be crazy, because, <laughs> I mean, look who the Jays have at third base right now. Now, again, <laughs> I, I mentioned this in something I was writing the other day. Vlad turns, does he turn 18 or 19 this year? 18. 18. So not exactly a real danger of him showing up and banging on the door in Toronto at third base, like, next year. <laughs> no. <laughs> There is some cool. belief that he could be in the big leagues by 20, though, which is kind of crazy. But in, for him, in regards to third base, the issue is just whether he can, you know, how much he, more bigger he gets. I mean, he's already a big guy, and he's, like you said, just 18 years. He turns 18 in March. Yeah, so he's got the whole season at 18, which is just crazy. Um, yeah, so he, he could get pretty big. So that that's the other thing. I, I Just as an aside, people always talk about Oh, is this guy going to be a star? Is he going to be a superstar? Is he going to be a Hall of Famer? That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. But keep in mind that most long career Hall of Famers 
it's not because they played until they were 40 or 42 or 43. It's because they started their career before they were 21 in the big leagues. Like you look back at, at those guys who have the huge career numbers and you have to get started early, which is why a guy like Jose Bautista is never going to be in the Hall of Fame conversation, no matter how dominant he was for whatever, three, four, five, six years. So I, I don't think I, he's automatically on that track. But if there is a guy, it's a guy like Vlad who has an opportunity to get started early and be very good early, as opposed to someone else who we're looking at in a system who's, you know, already 22 years old and in double A. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's just how it works. And that's why you get the, all those talk about guys like Trout and Harper who came in the big leagues at 19 years old, right? Yep. Yeah, that's why the, the conversation goes a different direction with them because they didn't didn't go to college. Uh, they were only... Their potential is all, all to have that long career. Uh, speaking of Hall of Fame and long careers, Roy <laughs> Halladay made the Hall of Fame. Ish. So yeah, he did. Well, he made the, he did. The, the the local one. <laughs> the local. I went down to the local Hall of Fame store, <laughs> and I picked me up a plaque or whatever it is they do at the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in St. Mary's. I like to say that the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame is great because they're non-discriminatory in terms of whether or not you're actually Canadian. You just have to have something Canadian about you, and they'll find a way to to fit you in. <laughs> the the hallowed halls so roy halladay rose in there and all he did was get a big hit for the expos yeah suffice to say there's not as much controversy around the canadian baseball hall of fame induction uh announcement as there might be under that other one we talked about a couple weeks ago (laughs) not quite (laughs) so not only did roy halladay make the hall of fame but uh vladimir guerrero senior uh (laughs) presumably for his time in montreal also made the hall of fame this year so there's the segue I couldn't figure out how to make with the two Vlads. I, then you went with the hall instead. It really yeah. worked out okay. <laughs> um, so that means that everybody got to interview Roy Halliday this week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> not us, though. You're not getting no. one of those. No. Uh, may- maybe next year for something. Uh, so the, the, everybody asked him, do you want to get back into baseball? Because apparently all Roy does is, doesn't he just fly airplanes around and hang out at the zoo with people? And make silly tweets that like showing a joking side that never came across when he was a player. Yeah. But maybe he wants to do something with baseball. And the rumor is, or what he was saying was that he has talked to the Blue Jays, but he doesn't know what he wants to do. I mean, you think they'd want him, right? Just go down to the minor. Just say, just send him down there and say, okay, just spend six weeks with Connor Green, please. Teach him some breaking balls. Yep. Teach him how to make the ball move. Yeah, show him how to hold the baseball. And you don't even have to be responsible for the results of that. Just <laughs> <laughs> just talk to the boy. Uh, what what could it hurt? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then obviously eventually the conversation moved to like the you know, the postseason performance from the Blue Jays the last couple of years. And he, of course, like, oh, I'm so jealous. You have no idea. <laughs> I would I totally understand where he's coming from. Totally. Oh, yeah. And again, I, that's why if I were Holiday, I'd be like, yeah, can I get in on this somewhere, somehow? Can I be a, you know, consultant? Although he did get there with the Phillies. It's not like he, did, he never experienced the postseason. True. True. I mean, I, 
I don't know. I just I I I always assume that a player holds a special place in his heart for the organization that drafted him and brought him up. If it well, was I think it's a fair or. claim, and it's not like you know the Jays brought him up and traded away like you did like they did Jason Worth. I mean, he was with the Blue Jays from 1998 to 2009. Yeah. So there's yeah, there's a lot of history there. We have a question about him coming up. Unless you want yeah. to talk about the Hall of Fame, we could all probably launch with that question to our listener questions. Oh, well, that was quite the segue. Okay, I guess we're doing listener questions now. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. And that question was... Uh, First off, before you, while well, you try to find it, yeah. thank you, people. You give us lots of questions this time, which is good, because there's not a lot going on in Blue Jays land right now, so we're happy to try to answer as many of these as we can. And... I'm scrolling. Do, 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 do. No. Would you like me to just read yeah, it for you? Just read it. Just, I give up. I, I read, yeah. yeah. This is from Luke at Spork V. Does Doc make it to the Hall of Fame? He'll wear a Jays cap, right? So, as much as it's easy to tell, call a guy a future Hall of Famer over and over and over and over and over again when he's playing, um, I think... It's going to be a very tough row to hoe for Mr. Halliday. Although I think his dominance over the period that he was dominant is kind of Sandy Koufax worthy. That sort of okay. Let's not. He's not at that level. If there's a model of someone who's he's gonna gonna get in under that sort of idea, then yeah, it's there. It's it's that shorter career with this really good peak, but. His career ended so abruptly at the end with the injuries and how quickly he fell off. I don't think he has, in the current Hall of Fame climate, I just don't think he has the career numbers to get there. And that, that makes me a little bit sad. I think he's going to be a really interesting case because, as you mentioned, he fell off really sharply. I mean, he went from going second, fifth, first, second in the Cy Young to throwing, over the next two seasons, 218 innings of 515 ERA ball. Yeah. And it was done. Like he finished second in the Cy Young the year before that happened. But at the same time, he also has, you know, a 10 year peak where he was 2.97 ERA the entire time pitching in the AL East. So I bet he's going to get serious consideration and, and well, he won't get in on the first ballot, but he might get in eventually. And that the, the, the last complete game pitcher might, do something for some of these sort of more old school people who are still voting for these sorts of things. Um, I don't know how much it'll do, but, but that's, that's one leg that he has up on someone over say Mike Messina, who people don't think of that as, as one of his attributes is the ability to to throw nine innings or in some cases, 10 innings. Yeah. I, I think that'll absolutely have a factor. And also, you know, people who look at wins and stuff like that, they'll look at his winning percentage, which is 65.9, which is one of the best ever for a starting pitcher. So on a I mean, team we, that did not have a 600 winning percentage while he was on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the Jays were terrible. And then well, he was on the team. Ah, okay. But the answer to the question, if he does get in, yes, he will absolutely go in as a blue Jay. Yeah. Despite his playoff success with the Phillies. I think he's a, he didn't, he signed that one day contract to end his career as a blue Jay. He didn't have to do that. So I would think that his pick would be the blue Jay cap. Uh, would you like the question from CM flash? Sure. Uh, that's at the C underscore hound. Why is Justin Smoke on the roster? <laughs> well, I think the honest answer to this question is 
Justin Smoke is on the roster because they foolishly gave him an extension back in May. I mean, I don't think they want him. Or sorry, back in July, not May. Jeez, they waited that long and still did it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the only reason. Because he's not good. No, uh, and, yeah. and he doesn't bring a huge special skill set. Like if you if you'd ask me why the backup infielders on the roster, I can tell you. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's been you know stories out there that the Jays really like Justin Smoke's ability at defense at first base, and they think it's an undervalued thing on the market. But yeah, maybe, but he's a terrible hitter. Yeah. So yeah, there's your answer because they made a boo boo and they don't want to throw that money away still, although they wouldn't be throwing that money. It's not that much money. Well, uh, I mean, it's nine million bucks if they just straight release him. But I, I, my thinking is that they obviously they think he's can at least be at somewhat positive production, either defensively or as the strong side of a platoon. God, I hope he's not actually that. But <laughs> you know, so they can get something out of him, and that they think that the alternatives on the market just aren't that good. Uh, and if Justin Smoke actually listens to this podcast, I'd like to say that's nothing personal, and you're still a better b- baseball player than, say, me. <laughs> You've got that going for you. I'm and sure that he's going to feel so much better thanks to that praise. <laughs> exactly. Let's move on to the next question. Well, there's actually a related question. All righty. Yes. So this one came from Razorblade. Mm-hmm. And it's actually another one, which we can get to after this. Chris Carter, yay or nay? I'm a nay. What are you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, we're talking about the guy that led the league in home runs. You know, granted, he was playing in the National League in Milwaukee, which is quite a bit of a homer park, but it's not like the Jays playing a, you know, a gigantic stadium. Strikes out a ton. <laughs> that word is actually an under... That undersells how much Chris Carter strikes out. <laughs> that it does. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, they could talk about the concept of the three true outcomes, home run, strikeout, or walk. That's Chris Carter. Are you sure he's not two true outcomes? No, he actually walks quite a bit. 76 walks last year. Okay, fair. Fair enough. Yeah. How, how many he will hits? hit home runs, he will walk, and he will strike out once every three at-bats. Yeah. Okay. I remember the pain of strikeouts on this team last year. Say Justin Smoke and his inability to put the bat on the ball. And I'm just, I can't, I can't get on board with another guy like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. But the difference between Chris Carter and Justin Smoke or Melvin Upton is that when he does connect, I mean, he does actually get to his power i mean justin smoke is apparently a guy who has decent amount of power but you know he never hits over 20 home runs in a season chris carter has hit over 40 twice sorry actually he's only done it once but he's hit 37 home runs once and 41 home runs once so this guy actually has some game ability to do damage but that being said it's not really a spot for him and your other related question is that the adam lynn question yes it is which is a similar concept, but go ahead. Uh, which is from Brendan Kuhn. I wonder if Adam Lynn's stock has fallen enough to where he gets a minor league invite with a seven-figure MLB salary and incentives. So 
Adam Lind has hit 20 home runs each year for the past two years. After hitting like six with the Blue Jays. Uh, Adam Lind is never going to hit well, I'm sure. And he has no power versus left-handed pitchers. And this team has got lots of guys who can play some kind of first base and DH all the time. I think this is the problem. I mean, this is the reason not Chris Carter. Both Chris Carter and Adam Lind are better against right-handed pitching than Justin Smoke. But the Blue Jays have Justin Smoke, and they're not going to release him. Now, the Lind one is at least somewhat interesting on the minor league deal concept, but I just can't see him taking a minor league deal because someone will give him a bench job or something. And then, But there's just no room for that on the Blue Jays roster. Not with Steve Pierce, Justin Smoke, and Kendrys Morales, all, you know, those three spots, those two spots. <laughs> Still, it's like, uh, is it? Is there some way we could move first base somewhere else and have them also play at this? Okay. Anyway, um, well, I mean, the Pierce part is interesting because theoretically, Pierce could just play left field because he can hit righties better than. Well, we've got another question about this too, but uh, he can hit righties better than Ezekiel Carrera and Melvin Upton and whomever else they decide to throw out there. But he also has no track record of staying healthy, so you can't exactly make him an everyday player and count on him to be such. And your related question is from Brendan again? Yep. Zeke over Coughlin? Several question mark and exclamation <laughs> points. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess technically it's a question, sort of. <laughs> um, so Chris Coughlin signed a minor league deal today. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of fans who wanted him to join the Blue Jays. Now, he's coming off a pretty terrible year, but he has shown an ability to hit against right-handed pitching and play the corner outfield to a capable level. He's not a good one, but you know the Jays don't have that. They don't have anybody that can hit against right-handed pitching in their outfield. So a guy like Coughlin would have been pretty nice. Did he have a memorable postseason moment? Uh, maybe I, I don't actually remember. I mean, he was he did well for the Cubs, so probably. I'm pretty sure he like came in and hit a home run out of nowhere or something, which is why everybody's. I, I honestly feel people are salivating over they they do it because people did things in in the recent memory. I think that recency bias is huge. I I don't I don't know. I mean, he actually went oh for the playoffs, so I think that's not the case. No, that wasn't the big homer. Okay, my bad. Uh, next question. But anyway, no, just basically just to finish that up, I think that the, I don't know what the deal is, whether he thought he had a better chance of playing time with the Phillies or the Jays just didn't care, but he would have been a good fit and it didn't happen. And I don't know why. All right. Shall we move to, uh, let's see, Richard Hurley at Aonic NUI. I'm going to have to look that up, too, what that is. Uh, To what extent do you see Bautista rebranding a bit to help market image perceptions with his umpire chirps and interview comments, et cetera, et cetera? Not at all? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Jose gonna Jose. Yeah, I mean, there's all the, you know, people think it's like, yeah, with the Orioles comments, which they came up again with Chris Davis saying he doesn't know anybody who likes him. It's like, okay, Chris. You know, suck on some more sour grapes. But the only reason that Bautista did not get paid this season was because he didn't hit and he didn't stay healthy. It's nothing to do with his attitude. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit, but if he goes out and has a whole day Bautista year, 
his marketing is not going to matter. His branding won't matter. People will pay him gladly. Indeed. Uh, I got oh, one. A fun one. Okay, go ahead. From Skeeter. That's that's actually what I was going to read too. There you okay. Go. So, what giveaway are you most looking forward to on the announced Blue Jays promotions schedule? What about the least? And you were nice enough to link it so I could read over it ahead of time and think about it. <laughs> Do you have an answer? I know mine. Well, see, I'm kind of torn on the best one between the fire up the grilly apron, barbecue apron, because that's pretty clever. And uh, where was the other clever pun? Oh, the bringer of rain. Umbrellas? Uh, umbrella giveaway. That's, <laughs> That's like, pretty I'm, good. I, I, I'm kind of up in the air on, on those two. Uh, I'm going to go with the umbrella for me. I think that's yeah. where it's at. To me, the umbrella was second, but I'm going off the board. I want my Blue Jays Snuggie. <laughs> Blue Jays sleeved blanket. They're giving it away on the last Sunday home game of the season. <laughs> All right, so my least favorite is any kind of hat because I don't wear mm. hats. So y'all can have my hat if I end up at one of those games. I'm going to go with a very specific hat. <laughs> the Blue Jays jean hat I saw it coming. I was like, he's dying. <laughs> the denim hat is going to get slagged on right now. Yep. <laughs> it is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But you Why would get... you want that? <laughs> So why would you want a Blue Jays cowboy hat? I can at least see people wanting that because it might look silly or because it blocks the sun really well. A hat made out of jeans is not comfortable. <laughs> it doesn't do anything and it's stupid looking. Oh, there's a whole bunch of Canadians who just sit up shaking their fists at you, Josh. It's... I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The only time I suppose it's acceptable is if you're wearing the full Canadian tuxedo and you want to complete the ensemble with and, some Jay's gear. And we've seen Jose wear the tux Canadian tuxedo, so he probably he probably pushed for that so he could get himself a, a cheap hat on the slide. All right. Uh, what else? Do we have any more questions? Yeah, we've got a few. Oh, my goodness. So, we're... Yeah, only, only, only a few more. But uh, okay. this, so this one, here's, here's an interesting one from Sam the Barfly at Jacob A. Bader. How about this approach to a bullpen? Sign like five to six cheap arms with decent stretches in the past and hope two or three of them are decent. I think that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I think it is too. <laughs> so we're going to go with, uh, yeah, it's a strategy. It... Hey, it's like you got Gavin Floyd who they signed on the minor league deal. <laughs> I think we talked about that last time. I actually don't remember. Um, you know, you've got how we talked about they're trying to get one more guy, Grilly, you know, guys like Sparkman and whatever. But that's basically what it is. Guys, they think that have a shot and just throw them against the wall and see who's dicks. And I think that's a fine strategy if you have your two back end or three back end guys pretty much in place already. I think that's a lousy strategy if you're looking for a closer, <laughs> just for the record. Yeah, or or if you have nobody in the bullpen, if you don't have, I mean, you could have say Roberto Osuna and nobody, and that would still be a terrible strategy, right? Yeah, you need to you need to have somebody that you're you're pretty sure about before you start just filling it out. Plus, they need guys in AAA anyway, don't they? Yeah, and then you know they still have guys that like Danny Barnes and Bo Schultz. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Bo Schultz, and Ryan DePera, all guys who had success in the big leagues who will be fighting for jobs too. So there are enough options that if they don't, if they get one more guy, that they should have a decent enough bullpen. And our final question from Colleen Evans. Yes? 
We've got two more, but we have yeah, two more. read that one. At, yeah. uh, at Colleen Evans 6. Uh, Jay's prospect articles don't mention the Cuban free agent Lourdes Goriel Jr. Is he still considered a prospect, and what level is he at for 2017? That's a good question, because I, I want to hear what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the basic answer to this question, yes, he is technically a prospect. Now, for example, Keith Law says he will not consider guys that sign out of the Cuban leagues or the Japanese leagues or anything like that for his lists. I don't know what the deal is with MLB Pipeline. And with at BP, they, we just said, we don't know what to do with this guy. <laughs> but, you know, he's a guy. I mean, we, we talked about him before. He's got some talent and got some upside, but he hasn't played baseball in a year and a half. And he wasn't the super toolsy guy like his brother. He was just the guy who hit well. So I think it's sort of a wait and see with him exactly what he is. And as for where he's going to start, the, the belief is he's going to start the season in double A playing shortstop. We uh, we look forward to finding out what we've actually got because obviously if he hasn't played baseball for a year and a half, nobody's really laid eyes on the current version of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., which maybe is why they're a little shy about ranking him. Yeah, Last I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just sort of a, we know that there was talent and there should still be talent, but we just want to see something more before we actually put him on a list, which is a totally defensible opinion, really. Last question from Quinn. From Quinn, yes. How should the starting rotation be ordered? From one to I mean, five. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's a joke, but it honestly, you could just say that throw numbers against the wall and just put them in any order. The Jays have a pretty good rotation, and they're all, you know, they'll have potential to be front of the rotation guys. Sanchez will be the opening day starter. Marcus Stroman will apparently feud with him over this, too. Who knows? <laughs> Although he did confirm that, which was goofy. But, um, you know, it'll be Sanchez and then probably Sanchez, Haps, Stroman, Estrada, Liriano, but it doesn't really matter. Because it's going to get jumbled up sooner or later anyway. Uh, okay. That takes us to the do-over. Yeah. Would you like to handle it? Uh, so, this was in Yankee Land. Hal Steinbrenner was asked about the situation with Araldus Chapman, which is his domestic violence um, charge that never really went anywhere, but he had a domestic violence suspension. And Steinbrenner's quote about, you know, what's going to happen going forward was, uh, quite frankly, it was manageable the minute he got here last year, Steinberg said at the quarterly owners meetings. He was great. Look, he admitted he messed up. He paid the penalty. Sooner or later, we forget, right? That's what we're, the way we're supposed to be in life. He did everything right and said everything right when he was with us. Whoa, stop. Okay. We forget. No, we don't forget. <laughs> yeah. The, the stuff he was, he was saying before and after, it's like, you know, he paid a penalty, he messed up, he admitted it, and he did the right thing, said the right things. Great. That's the stuff he should be stressing. So basically saying it's like, look, he's trying to get better. He's trying to acknowledge he did that he had a problem and he's trying to get past it. The sooner or later we forget, right? That's the way we're supposed to be in life part. That is absolutely insane. And I can't believe he said that out loud. So he's backed up on that now. You know that. Oh, he has. No, I did not know that. He he got the word forget and forgive confused. <laughs> they do both start with F. 
<laughs> you know, oddly enough, I actually believe that to some degree because this is uh, like nobody could think saying that out loud is a good idea, right? And this is because uh, wow, <laughs> it's like no, you should not just forget that it happened. Even well, forgiving yeah. is, you know, that's up in the air. But but you, as a philosophy, you could defend forgiveness. Yes, as an idea. So I, I do actually think that's what he meant to say. But the fact that no one at that point in, you know, at the press or anything put their hand up. Uh, Hal, <laughs> <laughs> do you really want us to forget? Because we're probably not going to forget. Um, yeah. <laughs> Steel, did I really say that? Yes, you did. Uh, though, apparently, he doesn't have to come on our show to get the do-over. He's, he's been given an opportunity by the the regular media to backtrack and he seems to have taken it which uh, i mean at least he didn't try to double down and defend it because my god <laughs> yeah domestic violence not to be forgotten okay that's fair enough um so i suppose we go to the final thought because my final thought is about the red jerseys <laughs> jesus <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. The Toronto Blue Jays do not need a red jersey. There is a perfectly legitimate third jersey color available in Blue Jay land. Perfectly suitable for wearing on a hot Sunday afternoon when you're going to be playing day games outside in the concrete bowl of a stadium on turf. And it's a nice light powder blue, which harkens back to the glory days of said franchise. Why do you think <laughs> that people want this team to look like the St. Louis Cardinals North? <laughs> so just taking this for like, okay so it's they're doing it because it's the 150th anniversary of canada i mean i guess that's something I, I still think it's dumb enough to do that but the implementation was awful too the hats are red with a red logo the jerseys are red with a red logo and went, it's like they're wearing pajamas and an all red hat if you're looking from the stands <laughs> like no so it's stupid and they did it dumb that's why i just started laughing when you brought it up <laughs> I know they're going to sell jerseys. I get it. They're going to sell a whole bunch of them. But the I, I do not accept that, that Canada's team must be dressed in... The, like, just put them in plaid. Like, I do the lumberjack thing. I don't care. This is not a minor league team, though. And it, it, it you're right. It looks just cheap and crappy. And I'm sure there are people going to disagree with me, but... We complained for whatever it was, three or four years when they were the Toronto Black Jays every time we turned around, because that was the hip, cool thing to do when they tried to phase out the blue jerseys. We finally yeah, got those back. the Jays, too. <laughs> yeah. And now, red. Every Sunday game, is it? Every Sunday home game, yeah. Oh, you know what? I want them to turn into the skid. Get red pants, too. <laughs> just, just go out there playing in pajamas. <laughs> Turn into the skit. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was my final note. What's yours? <laughs> Mine was actually another team business related decision. As a season ticket holder, 
<laughs> I got an email from the club about the what has been formerly known as Fan Fest or the lead off event. And I thought, okay, that's that's good. I've, I've been looking forward to this. And they canceled it. <laughs> okay, right on the face of it, canceling it is bad. But this, the reasoning, go ahead, is the that's the icing on the cake. <laughs> yes. It's, so the increased demand and rising fan interest over the last season has caused us to reevaluate select offerings. <laughs> Too many of you wanted this thing we were doing. That's, so we're not going to do it. It reminds me of in Ontario. The hydro rates went up because we didn't use enough power. Because we conserved too well. It's like the opposite of that. It's, yeah, it, it, it was just so tone deaf. It's like, okay, we're having a really awful slow off season. We've raised ticket prices. What can we do? Let's cancel the season ticket holder event. The only time when the fans actually get to, you know, they go get they get free food, they get free drinks, and they get to actually converse with management about item issues that concern them. No, we're not doing that. It's too popular. Oh, it was bad enough that this team does not have a, a like they have the winter tour. I get that. But that's always only open to a certain portion of the fan base because it's only touring a certain portion of the country. So that's, I don't really count that. As a 100% winter event. Most teams have some event where people come and see players and get autographs and everything else. And and the, the state of the franchise or the leadoff or whatever you want to call it was even a watered down version of that. Yeah, there's actually no players at it. Yeah. So, oh, maybe someday. So, yeah, I love how they're like, instead... All season ticket member events will be hosted during the season, including an opportunity to attend our popular fan festival and autograph session. Okay, the fan festival during the season for season ticket holders was this thing with like a bouncy castle and you could get autographs from Jesse Barfield and Dwayne Ward. And it was 100% for children. Do <laughs> and you, the autograph uh, session was oh. a gong show. It was basically people standing in line for two hours to get the autographs of Ezekiel Carrera and Josh Tolley because by the time they got to the front of the line, all the good players had gone. Uh, hey, do you get to go <laughs> for batting practice again? Oh, that was the worst. It was so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Josh, Josh doesn't mind not going for batting practice. No, I'm not going again if they offer that. But They don't. They cancelled it. Yeah. Anyway, it was just it just seriously tone deaf and I don't understand it. I can't imagine this organization being tone deaf on a PR front ever. But don't <clears throat> but don't worry, they have red jerseys. <laughs> Stepped up their game. All right, on that rather sarcastic note, I would have to say that uh you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 43. We will and the next time you hear from us, it might be spring training. It might be, unless something else exciting happens. Uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.